Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, psychologist, relationship coach, attachment theory expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, author of Love Magnet and Athletic Wear Connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract to healthy relationship. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. Buckle up and let's get vulnerable. December can be a time where we feel like we're spiraling. Nothing's the way we wanted it to be. If we are single and we wanted to be in a relationship, you're really feeling it. I want to encourage you that instead of spiraling or freaking out, you can take action on healing. You can take ownership and decide enough is enough. I am changing how I'm showing up. 2024 is going to be my year. I am doing the work now. And for those of you that decide to apply to the program in December, I have a really special offer for you. It is the all I want for Christmas is secure attachment offer. You will get access to a journal. This is a daily practice a guided journal that has personally changed my life. And for the first time ever, I'm making it available. So you get this as a bonus gift. It'll be shipped to you as soon as it's available in January. You also, in December, you get an additional month in the Empowered Secure Love program at no cost. So an additional 30 days to integrate and do everything that you need to become securely attached And in December, of course, we are honoring 2023 pricing. So you're wanting to take advantage of that, right? This is going to be the best deal that you'll ever be able to get the program at moving forward. So I highly encourage you, if you've been on the fence, now is the time. Apply to the Empowered Secure Love program using the link in the show notes or the link in my Instagram bio. You are so worthy of taking the time to heal so that you can attract the kind of relationship that you want. And more importantly, so that you can feel so happy and in love with yourself and feel really good because you've released your past trauma and you know that you're creating the life you want. So don't wait on this. This offer is only available to the first 15 women who apply to the program. So if you know, okay, this is the time I want you to take advantage of this offer, go apply now. The link is in my show notes or in my Instagram bio. It's your host, Dr. Morgan. This is the final episode of 2023. I cannot believe it. We are on the 399th episode starting out. In 2024 will be episode 400 of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I am stoked about this year. I have so many good things coming up. You guys are going to be blown away. All the good things. And I'm really grateful to connect with you, to serve you. The work I get to do with clients, with this community. I am filled up with gratitude I love hearing your transformation, seeing our client wins as they heal and grow. 
I'm just, I'm really grateful. So I hope that no matter what your holiday season has been like, that you've made some time to prioritize self-care, that you're showing up for you, even if it's in small little ways, maybe it's just a 10 minute walk or slowing down to listen to your favorite music or you're tuned into this podcast, you're making time for your personal growth and your self-care. Whatever it looks like, I hope you've been prioritizing you. And I'm really excited about the new year. I'm going to have a lot of episodes on identity shift. Y'all who have been OGs to the podcast or if you've worked with me, you know I don't really believe in goal setting. I believe in identity change. That is actually what works. So starting in January, I'll be talking a lot about that and my own personal strategy system that I've created to change my identity over and over. So I am excited. January is one of my favorite times of the year. I just love a new year. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Today is part three of a three-part series on attachment theory. I am unpacking each attachment style, and we are going to go over the beliefs, behaviors, value perception, treatment goals, all of those. We're going to cover that for each attachment style, and then I'm going to talk to you about some of the latest research findings because there has been more and more research on attachment theory as we understand just how important it is. So this is a jam-packed episode. I know that you're going to get a ton of value out of this one, and I will kick us off with looking at anxious attachment style. So we're going to talk about what are the beliefs. The beliefs with anxious attachment usually stem from a very core belief of I am not enough. They'll also have beliefs like when they're in a relationship, what if this doesn't work out? Am I good enough for my partner? Will my partner abandon me? Does my partner actually like me? How can I make the other person's life better? Unconsciously, anxiously attached folks believe that their value in relationships comes from doing and caregiving, and they find themselves over giving frequently. Another belief is, what if I am cheated on? What if they leave me? I don't feel worthy of love. There's something horribly wrong with me that makes me unworthy of love. Other people can have love, but I can't. Another common thought is I always sabotage everything. Nothing works out for me. I can't do anything right in relationships. I am too much. If I express myself, my partner will leave me. I can't set boundaries. I need to prioritize my partner over myself. And another common belief is I feel like I'm losing myself in this relationship, but I don't know how to stop it. So these experiences point to something that I'm going to talk about in just a second, which is value perception. And this is actually my own. I haven't seen this anywhere in research, although 
it just hasn't been called this. It's probably called other things, but for each attachment style, there's a way that you view yourself and that you view others with secure attachment, which we all want. Your value perception is that you are equal with others with the insecure attachment styles. You either overvalue self or undervalue self. So value perception with anxious attachment is undervaluing self and overvaluing the other. So I place myself lower and then I value the other person above me. And of course, this is unconscious. Very few people realize they're doing this. But of course, it shows up in behaviors. So what are some of the anxious attachment behaviors? Okay, here we go. Constant reassurance seeking, protest behaviors, testing to see if someone really loves you, it playing games, quote unquote, ignoring the content, pulling or ignoring contact, pulling away, pushing somebody away, hoping to see that they will fight for you, large displays of affection over contacting, right? These are all protest behaviors. Other behaviors with anxious attachment, difficulty expressing your needs, not being able to communicate assertively, internalizes relationship failings as my fault. So if something's wrong in the relationship, instead of looking at the relationship as a whole or looking at their partner, the anxiously attached person will take on everything is their fault. Also with with anxious attachment, feeling emotionally exhausted because you are experiencing a dysregulated attachment system and your emotions are dysregulated. So it's normal that you're just going to feel emotionally exhausted. Really important to understand the emotional regulation piece. I think I need to go into that a little bit more. With anxious attachment, there's a lot of repressing emotions in the moment. And then, of course, they build and build. So with anxious attachment, you're likely to have emotional outbursts or be seen as too much, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy. But that happens because the emotions are not expressed and they're not regulated as they occur and they are suppressed, which then leads to the bigger emotional outburst, which leads to emotional exhaustion. And I think a lot of people with anxious attachment end up thinking, gosh, I just wish I wasn't so emotional. I wish I could be more logical. And the reality is, is they're just not regulating their emotions so that emotions feel helpful because we need emotions as humans. They're really valuable data, but if we're not regulating our emotions, they just feel incredibly annoying and unhelpful. So that's some of the core pieces. There's so much more, but that's some of the core pieces about anxious attachment. We talked about beliefs, talked about behaviors. I talked about value perception. You are devaluing yourself overvaluing a partner. And then when it comes to treatment goals, AKA working towards secure attachment, what are some of the things that the anxiously attached person needs to work on? Let me tell you, number one, they need to work on learning how to tune inward and stop being so externally focused 
The anxiously attached person spends a lot of time in fight, flight or fight mode and they're very tuned into their environment and they're disconnected from self. So learning how to slow down and be tuned into self and learning how to regulate your emotions through self-soothing. A lot of people with anxious attachment are hyper-focused on getting validation and soothing from external sources. So they really want to be validated and soothed by their friends or by a partner or by a therapist. And the huge growing area or growth edge is how do I self-soothe? How do I become empowered and learn how to soothe myself? Okay, that's a huge one. That will really help with anxious attachment. The other treatment considerations are learning how to internalize a ideal parent. And I talk a lot about this in the program. Um, and I'm adding even more of this kind of work to the Empowered Secure Love program because it is so profound and powerful. It's inner child work. And with anxious attachment, you need to internalize an ideal parent who hears you, who validates you. So this is how you talk to yourself. You need to be heard. You need to be validated. You need to be supported. And that's how you need to show up for yourself. Because a lot of times with anxious attachment, as we talked about in part one of this series, the parent was chronically emotionally invalidating. So now as an adult, you have this need and you feel like no one hears you, no one gets you, and you have this need for being validated and you can become hypersensitive to times when you feel like people don't get it or they don't get you. And the biggest gift you can give yourself is learning how to show up as that ideal parent for yourself where you're holding space for yourself, you're validating your emotions, you're tuned into your needs, you're showing up in an ideal way for you. So those are some of the anxious attachment treatment considerations. One final one is learning assertive communication, learning how to communicate in an open, honest, direct way, setting boundaries. There's such an opportunity with that, with anxious attachment, because there's a huge history of passive communication or passive aggressive communication, neither of which is serving you. When it comes to communication though, none of it's going to change unless you do the inner belief system work that supports the communication changing. Because if we don't do the inner work, the communication change won't last and it won't be effective. Okay. Anxious attachment, treatment considerations. There are so many more, but that is a really good start. I want to move on to talking about avoidant attachment. Let's talk about what are some of the common beliefs with avoidant attachment. And we'll talk about behaviors, value perception, and treatment goals for avoidant attachment. So common beliefs in the core belief department here, because I think of this, okay, there's always core beliefs 
And then there's the beliefs that are kind of a little bit more surface area or show up as thoughts, but there's always core beliefs that are at the root of a lot of other beliefs. So a core belief for avoidant attachment is I cannot depend on others. I can only depend on myself. It is not safe for me to let my walls down. It is not safe for me to be seen or to be vulnerable. Relationships can be seen as a weakness. It's not, I'll get into some of the other beliefs. I have to take care of myself. I need to keep all of my emotions to myself. I don't want anyone to depend on me. I'm not a good partner or I'm not a good parent. Um, A lot of people with avoidant attachment will say, am I settling? Is this person even good enough for me? I am bad at relationships. I don't want a relationship to impact my career or my pursuits. I want to be who I am and a relationship might get in a way, get in the way of me being my best. So I see a relationship as a possible barrier to who I am and to what I want to achieve. I, here's another belief. I need to make sure that my needs are met and that I always get to do what I want. Okay. So these are, these are some of the avoidant attachment beliefs. I know I recognize myself in anxious and avoidant, which you may as well. So you'll probably relate to disorganized attachment style. Um, but I wonder if you resonated to any of those that I just shared. And what are some of the avoidant attachment behaviors? Well, distancing in relationships, pulling away. If you notice that you're getting close to someone, you may unconsciously do something to hurt the other person or to put a standstill to the intimacy. So there's a lot of unconscious distancing that can happen. Um, other behaviors, overworking and finding yourself really incredibly busy. A lot of people with avoidant attachment are high, high achievers and they are filling up their calendars. There's a lot of reasons for that. (laughs) One of them is this next behavior is disconnecting from emotions and seeing emotions as weakness and seeing vulnerability as weakness and maybe even judging others who are really vulnerable or who are sharing very deeply. There can be such a lack of comfort with that, that there's judgment that comes out. Um, invalidating your own emotions or the emotions of others Avoid attached or avoidantly attached folks also expect negative feedback from their partners. There's, this has been researched as well that they will just expect that they are bad at relationships. They're a bad partner. So they expect negative feedback. They will avoid difficult conversations. So a lot of folks with avoidant attachment really fear conflict. Same with anxious, but it's for different reasons. With avoidant attachment, there's this feeling of, oh my gosh, I cannot handle 
the emotions that come up. I want nothing to do with the emotional experience. So I want to avoid conflict with anxious attachment. It's I'm afraid that this will cause you to leave me. I don't want to be abandoned. I'm scared. The relationship may end. So they avoid conflict for different reasons. Um, and then I think another really common avoidant attachment behavior is just not asking for support, not asking for help, not even being aware of what is needed to feel supported. So they're certainly not asking for it because they're not even aware of it. So those are beliefs, behaviors, and now value perception. This is really interesting, right? With avoidant attachment, you are overvaluing self and you tend to devalue others. If you think about it, it makes sense why it's that way. If I have to depend on me, I'm independent, I don't need anyone, right? I almost have to overvalue myself because I'm believing, okay, if I'm better than others, then absolutely I don't need anyone. It reinforces my way of being in the world, right? So with avoidant attachment, I've overvalued myself, I'm devaluing others. And this is obviously on a spectrum. People do this to varying degrees. And this is different from narcissism. I think avoidantly attached folks get confused as narcissists way too often. It really bothers me. With avoidant attachment, it's out of fear of intimacy that I'm overvaluing self. With narcissism, it's out of a desire to control and manipulate. So those are those are very different. Um, so we talked about beliefs, behaviors, value perception, treatment goals for avoidant attachment. Let's talk about it. What are the treatment goals? Learning how to tune into self. And this is the same with anxious, but here's the thing. Anxiously attached folks are usually pretty in tune with their emotions, they, they can feel their emotions and they almost overfeel their emotions and they're just over expressing them usually. With avoided attachment, there's a lack of feeling the emotions. There's a disconnect from the emotional experience. There can even be dissociation. A lot of my disorganized and some of the avoidantly attached folks I work with have huge chunks of their lives that they do not remember. And this is backed up by research that the brain as a coping skill dissociates from attachment woundings or emotional experiences. So with avoidant attachment, if you're going through a breakup, you may actually dissociate. You may really just be going through the motions, go through a blur. And if you looked back on it months later, you may honestly not remember much about that period of your life. Guess what? That's your brain's coping mechanism to dissociate. So treatment goals include how do I tune in and how do I sit with emotions? And in order to do that, we have to create emotional safety We have to rewire the brain so that it can feel safe with emotions. And this always includes releasing the past for all of all of the healing for each insecure attachment style type, anxious, avoidant, disorganized. 
all need to include releasing the past. Because if we're carrying unfinished business, that unfinished business maintains negative belief systems. So if I'm trying to create new belief systems, new ways of being, new ways of relating to myself, the unfinished business, the unhealed trauma from the past blocks the new belief systems from forming and integrating. So it goes without saying that treatment for every attachment style involves releasing the past. Okay. I hope that makes sense. Sometimes I go on these rants and I know, I know some of you are like, what in the hell is she saying? And some of you are just so nerding out and you're with me and you, you absolutely love it. Um, if you ever have questions, you can, you can shoot me a DM at Dr. Morgan coaching on Instagram. If you have questions that come up, I'm here. Um, but I know for a lot of you that makes sense and you get it. Okay. So other treatment considerations for avoided attachment, we're coming back around. Other treatment considerations include learning how to tune into what your needs are and learning how to ask for support from others and for connection, right? If I can't connect to myself, I can't connect to others. So I have to start with connecting to self and then I need to learn okay, what is it that I need from others, particularly in dating, building a romantic relationship? I need to learn what is it that I need to ask for in partnership, right? Because if I maintain this illusion that I'm an island, I'm better off alone, I don't need anyone, it's hard for me, people are gonna let me down, I can't let anyone in, we're never going to experience true intimacy that feels good, if I can't depend on someone, if I can't be vulnerable, I'm not going to experience close, real intimacy. So I need to learn how can I ask for what I need from others. Okay. Other, other treatment considerations. What do I have written down here? Oh yeah. Direct communication. Once again, assertive communication is a treatment goal. Because I am usually, if I have avoidant attachment, I'm probably either not communicating at all or it might be showing up aggressively because I'm not good at voicing what I need in the moment. So by the time it gets to me needing to communicate about it, it might not be coming out very well. People with avoidant attachment can be seen as aggressive, cold, withdrawn, right? And a, and a lot of it comes down to the inability to be present with themselves. So then they really struggle to be present with others. Okay. Also, learning to trust is a huge goal of treatment. Learning that I can depend on someone, I can be vulnerable. It's safe for me to be vulnerable. I can create safety in myself and I can create safety in others. And then moving on, I want to talk about, let's talk about it, the disorganized attachment style. 
because this doesn't get talked about enough. Of course, I did do a whole episode on this attachment style. So go back a few episodes. It's there. I did an entire episode on disorganized attachment. So check it out. With disorganized, you are going back and forth between anxious and avoidant behaviors and beliefs. So it's a pendulum swing. And when it comes to value perception, you're also going back and forth of overvaluing self and then devaluing self, overvaluing others and then devaluing others. And let me tell you, this makes for an incredibly confusing perception of the world and a very fragmented relationship to self. That's what I think about with disorganized attachment, a fragmented relationship to self. I don't know how to relate to myself. I don't know how to relate to others. I have all these ways of being and it's always going back and forth between anxious strategies and avoidant strategies. And it's incredibly confusing to myself and to people that I'm in a relationship with. And when we think about the belief systems here, it usually will go from one extreme to the other. So you'll hear disorganized folks talking about how, oh my gosh, I can't live without a relationship and I really want a partner. All I want is to be married and bake cookies and have babies. And that's all I want. It's all I desire. And then in the next week, they'll say, I'm just going to be single and do me. And I'm traveling to Europe and I don't need anyone. Right. So there's this really, really confusing pendulum swinging. And this goes back to, of course, early experiences in childhood And all the research points to if you have a parent with disorganized attachment style, that is oftentimes, I I have to look at, I think it was 80% likelihood that it is then passed down to the child. And it makes sense because the parent will show up as overly involved, maybe overbearing, maybe critical. And then the next moment they are not validating your emotions or they're not present. There's just so much chaos in the parent relationship, right? We know there's emotional abuse, sometimes physical abuse. There's relational trauma in the parent-child dynamic. And, And this can happen in later life with disorganized attachment. Usually for disorganized, there's some sort of childhood trauma, But if the early relationship trauma was significant enough, then yes, you could develop disorganized attachment later in life. I know some of you were wondering that, so there's your answer. Um, So take the treatment goals from both anxious and avoidant and combine those, and then you have goals for disorganized attachment. And as I mentioned, one of the big things is an integrated sense of self and creating safety, knowing that, okay, I am enough and relationships are also valuable. So getting to that place where value perception is equal, right? I am valuable. My partner is valuable. 
I can value myself and I can value others. And obviously a big thing too is learning how to regulate emotions and stopping dissociation when it comes up. Notice how with disorganized attachment, there really is a lot that that needs to be looked at because you're dealing with the beliefs and the behaviors and the value perception from both anxious and avoidant. So you have to be very intentional with treatment. And a lot of times what I see is you'll heal probably one of them first. Maybe you heal the anxious style and then you're still dealing with some of the avoidant traits and that's okay. The, the good news is, is when you have the awareness and you know what needs to be done, you can always move to secure attachment. Even with disorganized attachment, I am an example of that. I have so many clients who are examples of that. So you never have to give up hope. There's always a way forward, okay? I hope all of this information has been useful to you. Maybe it's giving you a deeper understanding on where your growth area is. Obviously, I have dedicated my life to this and to creating a program that addresses the core needs of all insecure attachment styles. So if you know, hey, I need help, maybe traditional therapy is not cutting it, and you know that you specifically need to move to a secure attachment style, I want to invite you. You can apply to the Empowered Secure Love Program. We take limited people every month because we believe in a high level of care. We offer one-on-one coaching. We make sure you get exactly what you need. So in order to do that, it is limited spots. So I want to encourage you if you know, okay, I need to work on this. Now is the time. Don't wait. You deserve to become securely attached. It impacts every single area of your life. It improves your relationship with self, your romantic relationships, your friendships, your work, your health, et cetera, et cetera. So don't wait. Now is the time. I want to talk to you. Before I wrap this up, I want to share with you some of the latest research findings on attachment theory. This was fascinating for me. My criteria for latest findings was anything post-2017, which is new when you think about the research world because these things take so long to get published. That is... In, in my book, we're going, okay, that is some of the latest research, considering also that this research started in the 1950s. But here were some of the key findings that I found interesting. Number one, the, there was research that absolutely backs up parent-child transmission of attachment style. There was research done using the adult attachment interview that looked at parents' attachment style and their children's attachment style. And there was, I believe it was around an 80% correlation of if you, um, that the child would have the same attachment style as the parent. And then they also looked at the grandmother 
So the grandmother and grandbaby, and I believe the percentage went down a little bit, but there was still a huge correlation between grandparent and grandbaby's attachment style. And obviously, there are a ton of factors here. A huge one, though, is environment and the way that the parent shows up for the child in early stages of development. So when we talk about intergenerational cycles of trauma, research backs that up. It is a real true thing. And there was also, in another study I looked at, research that showed that that people who were able to get therapy, work on themselves, they were aware of their attachment style, they were able to change their attachment style, which by the way, this is groundbreaking for the attachment theory field because for forever they said, no, your attachment style is your attachment style forever. You can't change it, but we know it can be changed. I'm an example of that. I have over 500 clients who are an example of that. Research is now backing that up. But the research showed that when the parent had taken steps to work on themselves, to work on their attachment style, that they were able to move towards secure and they were able to help their children become securely attached. So it is backed up by research. When you do the work, you can impact future generations and... That makes me so happy because we do have a lot of clients who have kids and I get to know, wow, they have this positive impact for their kids who will then go on and have a positive impact for their kids. Like it is generational. Once we stop these insecure attachment patterns and we learn how to become secure, we are impacting the generations to come and it is backed up by research. Okay, the second body of research I looked at was about, and this was just, I'm curious about this. I wanted to look up attachment style and happiness. And drum roll, please. I don't think you're gonna be surprised. Secure attachment is associated with higher levels of happiness. Are we surprised? No, because relationships bring so much joy to our lives. And when we don't have close, connected, healthy, secure relationships, it will greatly impact our well-being. And this doesn't even, I mean, yes, that piece and also relationship to self being secure has a huge impact on happiness. So it was statistically significant that if you had a secure attachment style, you were much more likely to be happy. Okay. And now part two, fascinating piece of this study, looking at elderly, I believe they classified elderly as over 80. They were interviewing elderly individuals. And guess what they found? Elderly people with secure attachment style had higher levels of happiness and they had positive reminiscence over their life. Meaning that when they look back on their life, it was positive feelings and they had joy and 
good feelings about their life, that was highly associated with secure attachment style. And you can guess any of the insecure styles was associated with negative reminiscence, looking back on your life and being dissatisfied, being unhappy, and also lower levels of happiness as an elderly person. So what does this tell us? This tells us that secure attachment not only helps us now, it helps us as we age and as we look back on our lives and the things that are important to us are our relationships. Time and time again, research always shows when people look at the quality of their life, they talk about the quality of their relationships. And that is now backed up once again in research. So I thought that finding was really, really, really interesting. And then the final one I'll share with you, this is probably not a surprise, but looking at divorce and attachment styles, two findings here. Number one, and this was, this was one study, I think there's more research to be done, but one study that I looked at said that if you were a child of parents who got divorced, you were much more likely to develop anxious attachment. And it was significant. It was like 50% more likely to develop anxious attachment. And there was a gender finding, okay? Women, so um, daughters of divorced parents were more likely to develop anxious attachment. And then they did show that the sons were going to develop avoidant attachment, or they also had a possibility of being secure. So looking at that data, it would say that daughters of divorced parents were more impacted than sons, which there's a whole lot there about gender differences and women um, feeling more responsible, right? There's a lot of uh, overgiving, caretaking, over-functioning, even parentification of, of daughters. Um, but I found that really interesting. And there's definitely more research there that I could look at. Also, another angle with divorce, I will leave you with this finding because this episode has gone on forever, even though I know, hey, we could hang out, but I know you've got things to do. So I'm going to leave you with this finding because this is really huge. In looking at marital satisfaction, secure attachment was associated with couples who maintained marital satisfaction for long periods of time. So throughout their lives. And of course, this makes sense. Divorce was associated with insecure attachment styles. So we can think about secure attachment as a protective factor for marital satisfaction, protecting against divorce. Secure attachment is definitely associated with higher levels of happiness And that also we know when you are securely attached, you have a much higher likelihood of giving that to your children. 
So all of this research points to the importance of understanding attachment theory and the importance of more and more people learning how to become securely attached regardless of their childhoods, regardless of their beliefs, their behaviors, their inner working models, learning how to become securely attached so that they can change their lives for the better and also for the generations to come. I hope you liked this episode. There was a lot that we went into. We went into specifics on anxious, avoidant, disorganized treatment goals. And then we talked about the latest research. And I am cheering you on as we head into 2024. I am so grateful for you for being part of this community. And I will continue to give you the best content on healing, personal development, great relationships. And as always, I would love to hear from you. If you have a topic, you have something you really want me to talk about, shoot me a DM on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. I would love to hear from you, okay? And of course, of course, as always, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk to you in 2024. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you tag me. It would mean the world to me if you took just a moment to leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this show grow, the more people will be able to help. Until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.